Welcome to the 58 West King Podcast. My name is Tony Cosentino, and today I'm joined by Nate Molinay. We cover personnel packages and why Nate still writes checks at his local convenience store. Enjoy. All right, Nate, thanks for joining me for episode 26. How are you doing? It's a pleasure, man. I enjoyed coming on this thing. We enjoy having you. Thank you. So we'll begin, as we always do, with manager on manager, and I can start. So regarding financials, do you balance a checkbook or do you track what you're spending, like your balance at all times in any way? Yes. So I learned how to balance a checkbook at an early age. I grew up in family business. So everything for finances and budgeting and stuff like that was kind of apparent with our family teaching us that stuff from elementary school on, right? Profit margins and everything like that. Um, Standard profit margin for any good that you buy within a store is roughly 40%. Um, Minus if you go, usually like things like tuna and stuff like that don't because you're going to buy it all in the condiment section. Every as the other stuff but i learned all that kind of stuff pretty early on uh, i got away from it for a long time but i do budget out every single month i figure out how much money i have coming in based off just my standard pay and then i allocate it all before the month starts and um, figure it all out that way so i know every single dollar that where it's going what it's being spent on allocated beforehand so that i don't find myself trapped having to use credit or anything like that um plan out things months in advance. Like I'm planning a Disney trip right now for my daughter's seventh birthday in December. Um, So we're kind of chunking at that, planned it out how much I needed. So allocate that every month and I do it on a monthly. So every, every single day I know exactly how much Mm -hmm. money is going to be in my account. So do you do like a spreadsheet or do you use uh, like a financial planning app or what do you do? So I use an app, um, an app called every dollar it's ran by created by Dave Ramsey. Who's just a guy who helps people get out of debt with logic, common sense stuff, right. Um, Prepare for retirement, kind of just manage money correctly. Also kind of in a biblical sense. Also um, if you read the book of Proverbs in the Bible, all of it pretty much relates to money and any other situation. So I kind of got into his thing when I was working on getting out of debt, trying to find a way, uh, not knowing where my money was going. Cause like I said, I got away from it for a while and that app is golden. It starts out with your, however much money you bring in from the top. And then it goes down your four walls, um, you know, rent, food, electricity, you know, utilities and stuff like that. So, and then it goes into all, it breaks down all these other categories for you already. And then you can go in, edit them, added them in and stuff like that. It'll track how much you have. You can put your full, like if you have credit cards or card loans, you can put those balances in there and it'll actually deduct it every month. So you know how much money you have left. Uh, It's a pretty inclusive app. And then it doesn't like say your budget is good until you've allocated every single dollar. And that's why it's called every dollar. So even if you have like four grand left over for the month or whatever, it's going to make you put that in like add to savings or add it to your emergency fund or where you're going to put that. And they'll say, okay, yep, you've allocated every dollar. Now you know where it's going. Okay. And what's the app called one more time? Every dollar. Every dollar. It's a free app. Um, They sell it as like a premium. Also like 99 bucks a year and it'll link to your bank account. So all your bank transactions will go to it and you, you can just like slide it over into whatever category it is. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't recommend that. It's not worth it. I actually like better. Like whenever I spend like my fund money, go to target, buy some baseball cards or something like that. I rather take my receipt, look at it, plug the number into the app as what I spent that right then and there, because then it keeps me on track yeah. and I don't overspend because I like looking at that every day when I wake up and stuff like that, just to be like, okay, this is where I'm at. Cause I'm thinking about going to grab a burger or something. That makes sense. It's like counting calories. Like you plug yeah. in that combo you ate at McDonald's, right? You're like, Oh shit, that was 1300 calories. 
for lunch. Yep. So I, I, I like that aspect of it. And it's a good checker. Like when I go to a store like Target or something like that, I'm going to splurge on something, yep. you know, whatever. Like I want to buy a new, even something simple like a phone case, right? I'll take that out of my fun money. Because yeah. it's not something I necessarily need. For sure. Right? It's just a luxury. So That's good. I like that. Uh, do you have anything for me? Yep. So if you were an X-Men, which X-Men <laughs> would you be? I'd probably be Wolverine. Like I, I love Logan's character. Like he's kind of a rebel, right? He does his own thing, but he's part of the team when he wants to be. He's got sweet yep. hair. He's got sweet sideburns. He always has like the the stubble going on. Yep. And he's, I don't know, he's got metal wrapped around his bones. So it's kind of a cool character and he's trying to steal Cyclops' girl. So I always yep. liked uh, the rugged nature of Logan. Mr. Steal Your Girl. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. All right. So in this next segment, we're going to give the people what they want. We're going to uncover and expose some large packages. Are you ready to do this? I'm all about packages, especially if they're large, um, because something I lack. <laughs> yeah, you got you got to look at a big one every now and then. Yep. All right. So prior to last season, I wasn't like super interested in the differences between personal packages and why coaches kind of used them. They went back and forth. However, as a Rams fan, I got to see the team this past season go more towards 12 personnel uh, versus the 11 kind of spread them out that we normally run. So I wanted to kind of break down the various personnel packages with you. And uh, let's start with the numbers, uh, what they mean and go from there. Yep. So when you're looking at personnel, as like Tony mentioned, uh, 11 personnel, 12 personnel, what it's talking about is in the first number, you're talking about how many running backs are on the field. Yep. On the second number, you're looking at how many tight ends are on the field. So when you're looking at 11 personnel, you're one running back, one tight end. Um, the first number is always running back. Second number is always tight end. And then you just do the subtraction from five because you have five skill positions, players on the field. And that's how you can determine how many wide receivers are on the field because you have five linemen and a quarterback. So that's, that's six. You have five other people on there. So that's how the math works. And the 11 is like the base. Like if you look at the numbers that teams run, at least last year, like the majority of the formations that teams ran, like it started with 11 and went from there. Yeah, it's pretty much the base personnel because people don't use fullbacks anymore. Um, back, if you go back into like the the 90s, 80s, even beforehand, there was always a fullback on the field. So that's when you see a lot more like 21 personnel, your standard I formations and stuff like that. Mike Allstott, Daryl Moose yep. Johnston. Yep. Mike Allstott was my first uh, football jersey ever. Baziotis would be so proud. Yes. <laughs> the guy with uh, two championships. Fuck that, dude. <laughs> All right, what's next? All all right, so you're looking at um, – so we'll go down them um, and talk about some of the advantages, disadvantages from a team and personnel point, and then um, some of the things to look at from a fantasy perspective and what it does to players on and off the field. So 11 personnel, like we talked about before, one running back, one tight end, three wide receivers. This is your standard package that everybody runs. Good to have more speed spread out the spread out the field. You want to get linebackers out of the box so you can run it, but then you have a little bit extra weight on a tight end. Gives you options to say, are we going to run or pass? So you can audible in and out based on the type of personnel that the defense puts out there. That's your standard passing formation. Uh, it's also kind of the standard running formation now, even though a lot of teams are going more to 12, which we'll get into in a little bit and why. But it's very versatile, and that's why it, it keeps the defense on guard. It's yep. one of the big things. Nothing really crazy about fantasy decision-making just because that's the standard base package for everybody nowadays without the fullbacks on the field, minus the Niners. Moving down to 12 personnel, you got one running back, two tight ends, two wide receivers. So New England started doing this. They became kind of famous for it, right? Because they had tight ends who were big body. They could block with Gronk and Aaron Hernandez, but they were also amazing pass catchers. Yep. So this is what kept them extremely balanced, but it allowed them to do so much more because now you have seven men on the line of scrimmage that can block as opposed to six, right? With a tight end or five if you have it spread out. So you see this a lot more in like shorter, shorter yardage situations. More teams are kind of going towards this though because tight ends are becoming a lot more versatile, right? Your Travis Kelsey's, your Kittles, everybody in Seattle, um, anything like that, right? So it allows more versatile 
playmaking motion, you can offset offset line of scrimmage to become unbalanced on one side by moving a tight end to the other side. Now you got heavy people and stuff like that. If you have these extra ultra versatile tight ends like OJ Howard's, the Kittles, the Kelsey's, the one Gronk was in his good years, you'll see those tight ends even spread out more, right? So then you now you're taking a linebacker out of the box that was potentially going to cover one of those guys or a strong safety. If they put in strong safety in the box to cover the tight end, you might leave them there inside so that you can run the ball. Yeah, I, no, I noticed the Rams doing this a lot. It, it helped uh, kind of balance it out too because the offensive line there is has not been the same, right, since Sullivan retired and we lost uh, Saffold. So no. I, I thought they kind of leaned towards 12 just to give the offensive line some help and hopefully give Gurley some running room, even though that wasn't always the case last season. And teams are getting really good with like McVay was one of the first ones to start pulling tight ends too. Like, so he'll pull a guard and a tight end or something like that. So you got two people going towards the hole. Hmm. He'll pull like the tight, the strong side tight end where the run run's going to go. Right. And he'll pull that guy out too. So now you got some guy who's maybe thinking that it's a, a pass play because the tight end's leaving, but then he's out there blocking. It, it creates a really good advantage. Um, they're really good at that. So next formation, you got 21 personnel and your two running backs, one tight end, two wide receivers. Uh, the Niners, teams like the Niners, the Chiefs run this a lot. Uh, the Patriots used to run it quite a bit um, when they were dealing good with two guys who catch the ball in the backfield and stuff like that. Any team that has like really good running backs or versatile pass catchers and stuff usually run a lot of these. Um, New Orleans did it for a while when they had Ingram and Kamara because yep. they can, you got, you don't know if it's going to be a run, a pass. It allows more. Usually when you have running backs on the field, you're going to have more linebackers on the field. So now you're creating advantages, um, mismatch advantages because of the agility and the speed and stuff like that from those guys. For sure. Um, definitely. I've, I honestly don't think many people run out of this too much. If they do, it's like teams like the Niners who run fullbacks like Hughes check, right? Or the Packers used to run that with that dude, uh, John Kuhn or whatever his name was for a while. But most teams that are doing this are doing it with agile running backs to have it be passing formations, split them out create mismatches for guys who can catch the ball in space against linebacker. Your 22 personnel, two running backs, two tight ends, one wide receiver. Uh, more if you're heavy running games, they're going to run these things. Uh, you don't see too many teams that are going to put two tight ends with two running backs and have it be like two little agile guys, right? You're going to have a fullback on the field. Stuff you're going to see a little bit more down the goal line. Uh, Tennessee does run, was running a little bit of this last year but then Dion Lewis sucks so they just kind of stopped and went to 12 personnel a lot more but usually you're getting this in like shorter yardage situations teams that you know maybe we see some more of this come on because the game kind of transitions from being spread to going back to running games right and then going back because defenses adjust and they draft and all this kind of stuff next thing you know they're getting smaller more emphasis on strong safeties and then now you counterbalance it by going heavy run right um, teams that are really good are running the ball right now one wide receiver so you're not too not too crazy on spreading the defenses out you're trying to keep it more compact so that you can have more bodies in the box to block 13 personnel probably what seattle's going to run a lot of um <laughs> the rams actually run some of this too because when they had all these tight ends as well one running back three tight ends one wide receiver um this is what you used to see the rams they run tight end on each side of the line on the outside of the tackle and then have a tight end off the slot I guess you would call it, but right off the other tight end on the right or left side, allow for more unbalanced line sets and stuff like that. Or you can, you can shift out of it to have three tight ends on one side of the field. Yeah. The thing that's the thing that sucks when they're running like the 12 or the 13 mm -hmm. is like they're taking last season, they're either taking cooks or cup off the field, you know, Definitely. this season, like 
maybe just Cup is coming off the field or Woods. So from a fantasy perspective, like that's definitely impacting how much production you're going to get out of those guys. I think the, the hard thing with running these formations is that they have to have guys who can like those guys have to be able to catch the ball and run. Right. And so that you can have some balance in it and then you can check out of plays and stuff like that. Because if you don't have those guys on the field, the tight ends who are comparable, right. So you could run play action bootleg to the weak side or something like that and drag everybody across the field yep. and create levels. It's really just a, you're showing your hand type of thing. But when you're watching some of these guys, like teams who run these sets a lot, you know that you can focus a little bit more on their running games and running backs and stuff like that. You know who the wide receiver in town is going to be, right? Who's the number one? Because now you can't count on the number two, the number three and stuff like that. And from there on. So when you're making those decisions, you're looking at who can, who runs the majority of those when you're looking at offensive coordinators or anything like that, what kind of packages do they run? What do they like to do? So you can key in on players or just wiping them off your board. The other ones that you don't want, because you don't want to deal with a 30% player because they're going to run 60% of this. Yeah. If that's their tendency, that's going to lower the ceiling for that number two wide receiver or number three wide receiver right definitely and then you're getting into 10 personnel so one running back no tight ends which leaves four wide receivers on the field your classic spread stuff the saints used to run this a lot because they couldn't find a a jared cook style guy or before they had trey's love child Taysom hill on the field (laughs) fucking wasting space so Taysom hill i heard on another podcast that on ESPN, he's going to be listed as a tight end this season. Oh, nice. So just a pro, I, I like pro tip for uh, ESPN fantasy leagues. Yep, I like that. And then, um, you know, you're getting more spread. Teams typically are going to pass out of these things. There are these, these high-volume passing games and stuff like that. But what I really like to look in some of these type of things is like that running back, right? Who's the number one running back? Because now you're creating a lot of space, which creates a lot of gaps. And if you're running zone blocking schemes instead of power – schemes so a team that runs its own blocking scheme like say houston or something like that right if they're running these type of things because they don't believe in whoever the shitty tight end is there which they i don't know if they have anymore because bill o'brien traded them all <laughs> is um that running back is going to have a lot of gaps and a lot of space right and all you got to do is make one guy miss so yeah. if you have a, a running back who can be elusive create misses and stuff like that you can find that info on like pro football focus um but they'll have those type of statistics up or analytics up those are running backs i really like to look at so when people are looking at your wide receivers in these games and these big passing games and stuff like that you're looking at hey i'm gonna zig when all these guys are zagging or whatever yeah that makes sense 20 personnel two running backs three wide receivers um no tight ends i honestly just think it's more of a passing formation it's weird because you say there's two running backs on the field but unless you're i mean the niners don't run this because they can't keep Kittle off the field but and I go back to the Niners because I just watch a lot of them. They use a lot of crazy formations and stuff and multiple running backs. So they're really good for these two running back sets. But it's hard to keep Kittle off the field. But what you're looking to do is create space. But then you also have the ability to run because you've created that space, right? So you can use a lot of misdirection, uh, fake a swing pass out to a, run, a running back and hand off below. So now you've, you've shifted the linebacker's feet one, two steps. And now you got a cutback lane or something like that. So when you're looking at the percentages of, like I said before, the percentages of how often these teams use these formations or these really offensive coordinators is what you want to look at, not head coaches, right? And offensive coordinators change every single year. All they do is rotate around the league. So that's how you can really get an advantage on what you're going to look at as opposed to what they did this year, last year, the year before. Yeah, you're trying to predict the upcoming season. Um, When you're trying to predict that upcoming season, looking at coordinators as opposed to head coaches or the team name or the players and stuff like that. 
because that's where you can find your gems. A lot of people get stuck on the name and they they often overlook a lot of the little stuff like this that actually factors into, you know, maybe not the wide receiver one, but some of your role players. Yeah. Right. Your yeah. wide receiver twos, your running back twos, the, mid- the middle of the draft type players. Yeah. Or like a guy like Mark Ingram last year, right? Went in the middle rounds, right? But it was like, oh, the guy was getting, you know, he went to Baltimore and it's like, oh, Baltimore sucks. Right. And they got Lamar Johnson. He can't even throw the ball. So all they're going to do is stack the box. But you forget the fact that they have Greg Roman who did the same thing everywhere he's gone and created like beast running backs. Right. He was like a steal for people in the fifth, sixth round yeah. and stuff like that when they're looking for running backs. And then you have um, zero personnel or zero, zero personnel, double zero, which is just five wide receivers. So unless you have God's gift of football, <laughs> also known as Tim Tebow. Uh, this is going to be a passing formation. Maybe Lamar Jackson does some of this on um, guided runs, but most of the time they're going to pack people in because they're too, you don't want quarterbacks hurt unless their name is Tebow because the guy's a god. But definitely passing formations. When you're looking at coordinators to do this, what kind of schemes, what, how do they space it? What do they try to look for? Where are the routes really created for the, for the number one wide receivers or the Where's the number ones usually in these schemes? How do they attack it? And then you could look at it from week to week perspective on, who runs cover two primarily cover one man and all this kind of stuff based off the personnel packages. And that's how you can really get a leg up in like say daily fantasy and stuff. That's pretty much the gist of the formations that we're going over 11, 12, 21, 22, 13, 10, 20, zero, zero. Okay. It's all about for the teams kind of creating advantageous situations for their, Definitely. for their skill players. Right. Yep. Awesome. Thanks for going through those. Uh, maybe making some of those a little more relevant, bringing those to the surface for the guys who aren't really familiar with it. Part of putting in the work and watching the game film, right? Definitely. And I, I harp on it again, but when offensive coordinators is where you're looking at big time or who's calling the plays, right? So Andy Reid, Doug Peterson, or, you know, you can kind of get their tendencies and stuff like that. But coordinators are usually like the, the uncommon pieces that people really don't look at and they just bring in all their schemes and stuff like that. Yep. Thank you for all of that. So moving down into our miscellaneous category again an opportunity to ask each other a couple questions uh one i have from you who from our league 58 west king do you want to hear on a future episode i'd like to hear rivera again the dude was straight comedy um that was probably one of my favorite podcasts Uh, i don't know if it's because he said something about callus's last name or whatever (laughs) like that and i he said his wife's got to be pissed that was just fucking gold Oh, right. and it, it, that's Navarro. Oh, Navarro. Never mind. The Padres fan. Yep. That's yeah. my racist side of me. I just, Navarro, Rivera, it's all the same. They're both Mexican. Like Navarro is the whitest guy you'll ever see. Very pasty, but. Speaking of racism and Mexicans, right? So <laughs> I'm half Mexican, right? And I'm from the West Coast. And I know that Mexicans right now are looking at everything that's happening in the world and being like, yes, because we're undercover again, because in California, or at least where I come from and where I've heard in Arizona and Nevada and New Mexico, the wars aren't against blacks and whites. It's against blacks and Mexicans. That's where the true battles are, right? Like white people, no one fucking, they don't give a shit about anybody in California. So it's like, they're just like loving all this shit. Like, hey, the rest of the world doesn't even know what the fuck happens on the left side of the country. So, but yeah, Navarro. Um, and uh, and with Navarro, so I think we can have that arranged. That's easier than Rivera. Rivera is actually deployed, I believe, still to Aldafra. Uh, what do you want to hear us talk about? Like, what's the topic of conversation? The proper etiquette for man thongs or man bikinis in bodybuilding competitions i mean he probably did men's physique so he probably wore board shorts or something but if he wore the thong 
proper etiquette for thong, the best type of thongs, what you're looking for in a fabric, how to create, not create shape between the cheeks, right? Uh, do you do the shiny, the glitters? Um, do you oil under it? Do you oil on top of it too to make it more shiny? Definitely man thong okay. protocol. And I can confirm there are pictures of him wearing the thong at his competitions. So Oh, nice. Yeah, they exist. So when we do that, that'll be the picture on YouTube. So you can just look oh, at it the whole so time. Good. Yeah. So good. Just go ahead and deposit that one right to the spank bank. You're welcome. <laughs> Do you have anything else before we wrap yeah, this up? Yeah, so um, I guess a question for you too. Um, I'm always like in deep shit. So one thing you're proud of about yourself, like say your whole life, and then one thing that you're not so proud of. So I, I've i made like Facebook posts about this previously, but like I am very bad about like being proud of anything I've done. Like I hold myself to like a absurd standard. I don't know yeah. if it's just being raised by Marines. Like, all right, I made my bed. And they're just like immediately like, what else can you do? And I'm like three yeah. years old, <laughs> like stuff like yeah. that. But I don't know where that comes from. Probably like getting accepted into OTS, so uh, officer training school and making it yep. through that. Like, honestly, like I feel like I'm performing above my ADP, right? Like yeah. I, I was probably like, I was going to average out it maybe like a tech sergeant, 20 year tech sergeant. So second lieutenant now in the, in the space force, I assume I'll get accepted. And that's kind of something I'm proud of. Yeah. The kids are the kids and the wife, like the family. That's another easy one, right? I didn't really think about that in my early 20s. But I got an eight and a six year old now. So pretty proud about that too. Going on 12 years this December with the wife. So definitely proud of that. Things I'm not proud of, probably like taking so long to get going. Like I, after high school, I fucked off for so long. Like I graduated at 17. I was a little young. And then like, I didn't join the military till like my mid twenties. Yeah. So I went to community college, but that accounted for what, maybe a year, year and a half of that time. So I, I spent that time like killing a lot of brain cells, right. Doing some dumb things that honestly I probably could have been arrested for. Um, (laughs) There was a, when I was going to said community college, there was a Scientology like camp. I don't know what to call it, but it was on the way, like the road, the highway went through this Scientology place. And yeah, we would drive by and like blare on our horn and just moon like the booth, the reception booth. And we did this every day. We went to school like four or five times a week. And so after like a month or two of this, like they had the cops come to our houses like <laughs> me and my buddy, because we carpool and like we we both had to like tell the cops, yes, that was us, because they told us we have your you know license plate on camera and all that, and they're like, yeah. you're not going to press charges unless you keep doing it, and then you're going to jail. Yeah. Another one of the things I wasn't proud of <laughs> um, yeah. to go with kind of wasting four or five years before I joined. So, yep, those are the things I'm probably not proud of. I always wondered though, like if it's really like a waste because you're able to experience stuff, so now you have like that knowledge and understanding of it, right? But yeah. but it's like. Is it, is it really a bad thing? You know, like, I think we're, I think our cultures are really like, especially from our, like our parents, like ages and stuff are really adamant about like getting your life together right now. Yeah. What are you going to be? What are you going to do? Right. That's all like the entire conversation. And it's like, like, you got to know what you're going to be. Right. And you got to have your life together by fucking 24 graduated with a master, you know, all this kind yeah. of shit. And it's like, well, I got like three more lives to live. Like I'm going to live to a freaking hundred. Like, I agree with you. I think it's just like, as I get older, like I value time more. Yeah. And I just look back at like where I wasted the most time and it was definitely in those years. Yeah. So I don't like wish I would have done it differently because I met a lot of people like my relationship with Matt and Josh and those guys probably wouldn't have happened if I didn't kill those brain cells that I was killing in yeah. the, the early to mid 2000s. So I just, I just view some of it as wasted time, but I, I agree with you. Uh, we should definitely be able to make mistakes and I made a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Anything else before we wrap it up? Uh, nothing else from me. Thank you for meticulously describing those packages for us with such detail and precision. And as always, thank you for your time. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Love you guys. Talk to you later.